Welcome back to the Alts Podcast. I'm your host, Horatio Ruiz. We bring you industry leaders and creators to give their insights on the rapidly changing and exciting world of alternative assets. Opinions expressed on this podcast by the host and podcast guests are for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Podcast hosts and guests may maintain positions in the offerings discussed in this podcast. The intro song, Fishing for Pets, is written and composed by Alan Goldscher from his latest release, Live at the Lakeview Lounge. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Today's guest is Iris Tintaya. She's the co-founder of Koya, a fractional investment platform for luxury items and collectibles. Think Rally Road or Otis, and Koya is the European version. They debuted with the 2018 Rolex Submariner date and have since added offerings that include investable whiskey and wine, NFTs, and Pokemon cards. In this episode, we talk about how Koya got started, its mission, and the company's future plans. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Iris. All right, so we're we're excited today because we have kind of what I would consider a, a rally road or an Otis of the European markets. We have uh, our co-founder, Iris, uh, from Koya on the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me on our show. Iris, so cool to have like a, a, a fractional platform like you guys where you really are, have different assets across uh, different, you know, kind of classes, right? You have wine and, and NFTs and trading cards. So I'm, I'm really, really uh, looking forward to this discussion. I guess I want to start from the beginning. You know, uh, you are a co-founder and I'm wondering how you got into this stuff. Yeah, sure. I mean, I can start by telling you a little bit about myself and my background and how I got started with Koya. Uh, so my name is Iris Ntaye, co-founder of Koya, and my background has mostly been in startups, primarily fintech. So I've built startups prior to Koya, helped build a digital bank in Hong Kong called Needs, um, was the first employee there, helped the founders grow that business, was focused on business development, uh, marketing, and really um, saw that journey of going from the start to yeah, growing the team, growing internationally, growing our user base. So that was very exciting and definitely very good learnings for setting up Koya now. Aside from that, I'm also a community host at Finamize, which is one of the world's largest finance communities focused on financial education with a focus on investment and investment education. So I've always been interested in investing. So for the past couple of years, I was personally, I've been personally really interested in investing, making my own investments, doing research into investing, but also from starting up a company perspective, that was an area that I was really passionate and excited about. How can I help people do more of their money and not just let it sit in a savings account? So that was sort of my original uh, thinking. And I started to go out, started to do research, started to talk to people. And one of the things that I realized is that, yeah, there's already plenty of investment platforms out there. I would say pretty good platforms out there. Uh, You've got, of course, the um, robo-advisors, stock trading platforms. But still, you know, uh, I felt there was a lot of opportunity for new ways to invest in alternative assets because one of the things one of the problems that i saw is that for example if you talk to people who don't invest stock market for um many people are abstract complicated um so i wanted to do something that was very different and that was tying into people's interests and and passions and then also you know um start having started the business around a year ago obviously that was a good time in terms of people had started to become more aware of alternative assets, collectibles, but also crypto, NFTs. With the rise of all of these different asset classes, you know, people started to realize 
you can anything can be an asset class, uh, even though fractional is, is was and is still very new, especially in Europe where I'm based. Um, I would say the idea that you know you can invest in things like sneakers with you know obviously StockX being huge, that became a lot more popular, normalized. Sort of how everything came together and yeah, how I ultimately came to to founding Koya. And of course, it also it's not, it's not just my idea. I've got two co-founders. So we've got our CTO uh, Ben Riazzi and our CEO Richard Draper. And um, now Richard's background is in finance and investments. So he's previously had a lot of exposure um, to to these passion assets, working with family offices, high net worth individuals, seeing how they invest and you know realizing that normal everyday people don't have access to these types of assets so it was kind of everything coming together um but yeah that for, for me personally coming at it for, for more of an for more of an sort of retail investment um point of view and giving people access to exciting new opportunities yeah what i what i picked up on there a lot there and i'm kind of wondering that role that you have as a, as a community host for investments and I'm wondering how it's received by the community when you t- start talking about these uh, alternative assets, specifically the collectibles, right? Because I imagine that maybe in a forum like that, people are seeking the traditional advice, like what should I do? How should I allocate my retirement funds? How should I, you know, what kind of stocks can I buy? And I'm wondering if you could give me some insight on how the reception is when you start talking about passion assets, as you call them. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I would say with with Finemize, the company that I mentioned that I'm a host for, collectibles is just a small part of what they're doing. So they host a lot of content. The majority of their content is still about equities because of course that is where most people allocate most of their funds to. And I think that is completely fine. So it is just showing a different perspective, just showing something new, showing a way to diversify your portfolio. And I would say people are are interested in that. And the other thing as well is that there is definitely still a lot of education to be done. So when people hear about this, they are excited, they're interested. But um, quite often we hear that, oh, I didn't, we're still in this very early stage where we're hearing, you know, regularly, oh, I didn't know that watches or whiskey or fill in the blank could go up in value. Um, So there's still a lot of education um, to be done. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm going to jump into Koya because there's other questions I had for you, uh, but I did want to jump into Koya uh, and and the assets that you have there because it's really interesting. You guys decided to start off with offering a Rolex. And uh, you guys are Europe-based, and, and I'm wondering what came behind that decision to start off with a, with Rolex, you know, a luxury watch, and kind of how you've been met in the European market, the UK market. So um, our asset selection has been mostly based on our community's interests, uh, feedback from users. So uh, when we started the business, obviously the first thing we did is collect leads, try to speak to as many people as possible finding out what their interests are and um, very much drive our decisions from there. Uh, so very much related to community demand. And also when we're talking about, you know, Europe um, versus the US, uh, we're one of the first fractional platforms um, here in Europe. But so, so the, the concept of fractional, it's still pretty new. And there's, yeah, as I said earlier, quite a lot of education to be done. However, what I would say is that the concept of collecting is definitely not something that's new. And if we're looking at, for example, the luxury asset market, it's very developed in in the EU, in some cases, uh, you know, bigger than the US, depending on which market we're looking at. And you mentioned, for example, watches, which is actually a good example, because Europe is the biggest market for pre-owned luxury watches. And if we're looking at more generally pre-owned luxury goods um there's a report last year from bcg that you know mentioned europe 
is around 50% of the market for that. And if we're looking at other assets, like for example, fine wine, of course, European market pre-developed, most of the fine wines are still coming from France, like 40% coming from Bordeaux. So in terms of collecting luxury assets, the concept of that is something that you can invest in. I would say that is pretty well, well, well developed. Um, But of course, the fractional element, that is something that's quite new. And that is something that we really need to create awareness around. Yeah, uh, the, the awareness is huge. And, 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 you know, you mentioned about how in, in, in some areas, Europe is probably more developed than others. And, you know, in talking to a lot of people here in the States, it seems like trading cards, right? Like sports cards were really a gateway into these other collectibles. You know, people have been sports collectors their entire lives, and then they jump into different things like, you know, like wine and whiskey or toys. And it's almost like a natural jump. And I'm wondering, like, if there is that in Europe, like if there's some, that kind of that, that passion, right? That passion kind of collector that you would find in trading cards or in sports cards that then makes it a little bit easier than to kind of jump into these other asset classes. What have you found with that? I would say um, in Europe, the, the interests are, 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 are a little different. Um, trading cards aren't as big. But here, you know, as I said, for example, watch is one of the categories we started with because of our community's interests. And that is exactly, you know, one of those categories that people already know about. It already has a big fan base. You know, you've got quite a lot of influencers, YouTubers talking purely about watches. So there's already a big community around that. And same goes for wine and whiskey as well as art, I would say it's already, you know, a lot of awareness around those asset classes. So in, in our case, those are the entry points towards perhaps other types of, of, you know, alternative assets or more niche kind of categories. Also, by the way, I mean, obviously cars is another one, classic cars, sports cars is another one that's obviously something that is known by the mainstream and has mainstream appeal. We just didn't start with that specific category for a couple of reasons, the unit cost to get something really exciting is a little bit higher. So obviously you need to build out your user base. And then also the just the cost for maintenance, storage is, is, is higher. It's more complicated from a logistical point of view. But that is another one of those asset classes that you could use in theory to kind of you know get people into the platform and then in the future cross-sell them into other types of assets. Yeah, I, I love how you kind of talk about how, you know, you're starting with something familiar, like watches, and then you hit them up with, you know, and then you throw other things. Exactly. Like, I'm, I'm just going to throw out like Moonbirds, right? The NFTs, uh, you have one that, that come up for offering um, a package of, of Pokemon cards as well. The, the other part of it is you do uh, try to educate, right? You do you do your part. I know you guys have a lot of like kind of experts that you've interviewed and you kind of ex- explore, you know, why something like this might be valuable and why people are passionate about it. So how about those other assets? How do you want to diversify your platform? Yeah, just to go back to your point on experts, I think that is extremely important because I would say one of the biggest challenges that we see, but I would say probably any platform in our space would see is trust. Like how do you build trust with potential users? I mean, um, especially if you are, someone is coming across our platform via an online ad um, so it's relatively anonymous. So how do you build that relationship? How do you build that trust? Um, so I think working with experts is really important. That and, and those expert, of course, those experts need to be willing to, you know, touch their face to our company. Uh, we're doing quite a lot of YouTube, or we're starting, we're starting to do more YouTube videos, um, and also we're working with these experts to help us source because internally, 
we obviously cannot be experts on every single asset class. So we really need those experts to, to also help us and advise us in terms of, of sourcing. Um, so we've been working with an expert on the whiskey side called Mark Littler, a whiskey broker based here out of the UK. We've also um, just onboarded a, a new uh, watch expert who's going to be working with us on the sourcing side, on the content side. So I think those things are are all like really, really important. How are looking at, at assets, asset mix? I would say there's a few criteria for us. The three three sort of main main ones um, in our eyes are demand. So what what is what is our community interested in? Uh, secondly, what the, what's the investment rationale? So even if our community is interested in something, but we have really strong reason to believe that there are really big risks with this category, we might, we might not go into it. And the last one is, of course, sourcing. I mean, realistically, some asset classes are just easier to get access to compared to other asset classes. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned a car before, and I can imagine how difficult it might be to take care of a car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. On the logistics side, of course, as well, that can be can be a bit of a barrier. For sure. So I was watching your videos, you know. So I had no idea that uh, there was no single malt scotch available outside of Scotland until like after the 1960s or something like that. You know, within those five first five minutes of knowing that, I'm like, wow, I had no clue about this. So, you know, just to, to kind of reinforce that point of like having experts, like that really does help you understand a lot about the value and the history. The history is really kind of uh, helps to get you familiar and kind of, easy with certain investments you know exactly and also just building trust that you know we know what we're talking about and we, we've done our research let's talk a little bit about the uh platform itself and kind of how you go about about it and and we were having this discussion before we started recording and and i i've spoken to a lot of you know um ceos or founders of their investment platforms and they really want to go the retail route right and right now it's only open to their, their platforms are only open to accredited investors, but you've had offerings for as low as $20. And the conversation there is, you know, they really want to do open it up. They want more retail investors, but it gets hard when maybe you have a couple people buying a share or two and that the expenses become kind of prohibitive there. You guys, you know, have had, like I mentioned before, uh, as low as $20, a couple for $60, $100. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, for us, it's really our mission to open up access to alternative assets. So if you know if you would need ten thousand dollars to get started, that just wouldn't fit within our mission because we want to be able for anyone to to buy a fraction linked to these iconic assets. Of course, that does come with its challenges. Uh, I would say, firstly, one of the differences that I need to point out between you know Koya and some of the other platforms out there is that. We are using NFTs to enable uh, the fractional ownership. Uh, how we do it is we link NFTs to the underlying physical assets. Uh, for example, uh, it could be 100 NFTs, it could be 200 NFTs. There's no fixed, there's no there's no fixed number. It depends a little bit on how expensive the underlying asset is. If we're fractionalizing a hundred thousand dollar asset, we would link less NFTs than if we a fractionize a $1 million asset. And how it works is that users uh, buy the NFT, then they can either hold onto that NFT and get to vote for, for future buyouts, or they can also trade the NFT on platforms like OpenSea or in the future also Koya's own secondary secondary markets. So now why this is relevant is because using NFTs low, lowers our cost, cost structure compared to the quote-unquote traditional model of putting the asset in an SPV, issuing shares in the SPV, that comes with 
quite a lot of additional administrative and overhead costs. So if you know if your cost base is higher, you might not be able to sell twenty dollar fractions. Then the other thing to 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 point out, yes, of course, the more customers you have, the more customer support overhead you might have, because um, it's going to be cost involved each customer that you onboard. The more like potentially sort of marketing costs uh, that 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 you have. But um, yeah, based on we're still, we're still relatively early stage, but based on on what we've been seeing so far, and based on how we've sort of modeled our future, our, how we've modeled our our business model, our progress, we in our, in our in a trajectory, we do believe that you know it is it is viable and feasible to have a platform where we allow people to get started with small amounts, make it very accessible, as long as we keep our cost base low enough that it makes sense. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I found that if, if I can make like a, a parallel, like w- with Rally, for example, Rally Road here in the United States, they built up a community. And you mentioned that before, like building up a community of investors. And what's interesting is, and I'll come out and say it, even, you know, we we adults, you know, we, we give recommendations, we give kind of our view of, of assets. And people will, you know, they'll read our stuff, but they'll still go out and buy a couple of shares, even though they know that the, you know, the market value is lower. And I think that part of that is because Rally has done a, such a great job of kind of, like I said, building a community, allowing people to kind of participate in this in this kind of uh, investment, right? And people really appreciate that. So I, I don't know if you could talk about that a little bit, like kind of like what your community is, is like, uh, you know, the challenges of even building a community around an investment platform. How do you go about doing that? Yeah, I mean, firstly, to point out, I mean, some of the fractional platforms have gotten a bit of criticism in terms of oh, the prices don't make sense. Why Why does the asset have this market cap if in the open market we can get it for a lot lower? Um, we do try to be, and so far we have, we have, you know, we've listed all of our assets at market value or sometimes even below. Um, we don't want to add a huge premium just because we're fractionalizing. But then just because I think that's that's really important uh, just to offer, you know, a fair, a fair price to 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 users because what we ideally want to do is to get more of the margin from the seller because if you're a seller of an expensive collectible asset if you go to auction um the fees are pretty high so that is where we want to you know compete in terms of building the community for us it's still like still a work in progress um but something that is obviously really important uh, because we are using nfts uh we've also started a community We've, we've got our of course, we've got our typical email list where we do our newsletter. We share our, you know, educational materials, our videos, etc. But we also have started a community on Discord where mo- most people who are more into the Web3 space hang out. So that's that's also um, what I really like about Discord is that it's not just a one-way channel, whereas with email, of course, it's more, you know, us speaking to an audience. Same with social media like Instagram. Whereas Discord is really like a conversation, so I do really like the platform. I do really like that, like it in that sense. It's still not as mainstream as as email. It's still, it's still relatively new, I guess, for people who aren't so into the Web three space. Yeah, right. Discord is like the place to be for the NFT community. So, like, if you're looking to join an NFT project, the first thing you do is check out Twitter, and then you know, or first thing you do is go on their on their Discord, and then Twitter, or whatever the case might be. So, so that that's really good. I mean, I, I see that you guys are kind of taking this NFT approach, and then you also have now something with with uh, USDC. So, in order to buy on your platform, and I found this interesting, you're using crypto, right? You're using USDC, um, which 
you know, if you can explain what that is, first of all, and, and why you went that route. So USDC is a stable coin, which means that one USDC coin is uh, it's backed to the US dollar and it's backed backed and backed by US dollar. Uh, why we went that route, uh, we chose USDC because it is the most trusted, most reliable, um, stable coin. They work with very reputable banks and audit firms. So it's a very, yeah, it's a very well regarded stable coin. To make it easier for people who are new to crypto, perhaps haven't interacted that much with Web3 crypto, uh, we do also have a regulated payments partner, a company called Ramp. So if, you know, if users haven't use stablecoins before that's completely fine you can sign up uh so sign up on our on our platform and then you can use um credit credit card debit card bank transfer to exchange your regular sort of fiat currency to usdc to buy the nft uh why we've gone for that instead of just pricing it in euro or pounds or usd directly I wouldn't be against pricing it in, in USD or Euro directly just because people are still more familiar of course with fiat currencies, but there just aren't really great solutions out there yet at the moment uh, for buying NFTs uh, directly with credit cards. So there is that extra step of, you know, converting converting your fiat currency to a stablecoin, then buying the NFTs with that stablecoin. Potentially in the future, we would change that uh, because of course we want to keep things as simple as possible and least amount of steps as possible. Uh, but for the moment, USDC was the best option for buying any NFTs. And at the moment... I'm thinking, you know, you're using cryptocurrency, so cryptocurrency can be used anywhere around the world. At the moment, anybody can invest uh, in Koya, right? International users? Yes, uh, we are open to international users, sort of outside of sanctioned countries. But um, yeah, so even though look, uh, I'm, I'm personally based in London, we're seeing most of our uh, user base at the moment coming sort of from, the, from Europe, from the UK, just because that's where our team is based. Um, but I believe that, you know, once we start growing and once we start to get our name out and create more brand awareness, I would definitely see the U.S. as a big market as well, just because the market for alternative assets in general is the biggest in the U.S. at the moment. But also, I would say Asia, like I've previously worked in Hong Kong, I know the market quite well. I think that can be an extremely interesting market for us, too, um, just because of the huge, huge demand for luxury assets in general coming out of Asia at the moment and, you know, all of the auction houses are doing some of their biggest auctions now out of Hong Kong. Um, so I think that can also be an extremely interesting market for us. So definitely, I think that is one of the other reasons or the big reasons why we decided to, to fractionalize physical assets using NFTs is that it opens up the international market for us. Yeah, absolutely. Where have you found, I mean, uh, just on a, I'm curious, I'm always curious about how countries or different parts of the world are using investment platforms who are the main investors in, in Koya? Like, who, what are the where are the people broadly uh, mostly based out of UK, the UK? Uh, maybe another country in Europe. I'm, I'm just wondering if there's like a a section that's really more rabid about this type of investment. Yeah, so I would say we've been seeing UK, but then also France, Italy, and I think the reason why these markets. Uh, so when it comes to Europe, UK is just the most advanced market when it comes to retail investing. P- people are just most into retail investing in the UK compared to other markets. But then when it comes to, let's say, Italy, France, I would say there it is also very much tied into people know more about collectibles, luxury assets. So that's already quite a known known concept, um, which is why it's easier to tap into those markets. And also, I mean, I've spoken before to, or I'm, I'm always speaking to, 
collectibles, not fractional, but just regular sort of collectibles, luxury type marketplaces. And I'm hearing the same sort of feedback that within the European market, what are, what are the strong markets for them? It overlaps quite a bit with what we're seeing on the strong market for Koya, so Italy, France, UK. What are some of the assets that you're most excited about? I'm sure you're, you know, you're good, you feel good about every single thing, but is there one thing that you're really kind of proud of putting out there? Maybe there's something in the works that maybe you could give us some ideas about. It's interesting. So when I started this journey, I would say at that, at that point, I was personally pretty interested in, in, in fine wines. But I think it's just a matter of knowledge and familiarity. So when I started, that was probably the asset class I knew most about. So that's why I'm like, oh, that, that's why I was like, oh, I'm interested in, in getting access to this. But then my eyes got open to all of these other these other asset classes, and I would say now I've, I've probably be more interested in in other in other types of types of asset classes that I just didn't really know much or didn't know anything about, you know, before. So in terms of you know personally, what what I'm interested in, I would say whiskey. I'm interested in because it has shown extremely strong returns in the past five to ten years, and you know. As we all know, you know, it's no guarantee for future future results, but don't see that many signs of slowing down. Don't see any reasons why it would slow down. So that's why I'm pretty excited about it. And also the whiskey that we've got on our platform now, um, it's it's one that is truly exclusive and collectible, only one of 300. So that it's some, so I'm pretty, pretty excited about that. But I would say in the future, you know, looking looking ahead, uh, I'm also really excited about, you know, getting into bigger assets. When I'm talking about bigger, I'm talking, of course, about bigger in terms of in terms of value. So I think that is something that is also exciting. You know, as we as we grow our user base, we can get we can get access to more and more exclusive assets. Um, perhaps we can do, I think, or, or I think we can also have quite a bit of fun. Um, perhaps you know, um, facilitating group bidding on auctions, uh, for instance. I mean, last year, I'm sure you, you've heard of, I'm sure probably most of our listeners have heard of Constitution DAO, where a large group of people, you know, were, were bidding together for the uh, US Constitution. I think that, you know, garnered a lot of excitement. So I'm also really excited about these kinds of, of initiatives where we really tap into the community and work together towards towards a common, common goal. And again, just another point uh, around, again, the NFT piece because of the structure, we are lo- we are more flexible. We don't necessarily, we, not necessarily, we, just, we don't we don't need pre-approval to to list something, which means we can be a lot more flexible in terms of oh, let's do a gr- group bidding for an auction, or let's grab this opportunity. And we have to we have to decide very quickly. We can do that. And I mean, um, Horatio, you sent me a couple of questions ahead of the chat. One of them was around what if an asset goes down in value between the time that you you know, you buy it and the time that you, you list it. Um, for us, there isn't necessarily that long of a period. It's not that we have to get three months sort of pre-approval or anything like that. Of course, there's always going to be some lead time because we quite, we might acquire something and you, you're always going to need a bit of time to do marketing and the comms around that, but it doesn't have to be a long time. Yeah, that, that idea, that concept of getting uh, some of your community members to bid uh, for an item on, on auction, that's something that just c- came into my radar uh, a week ago or so. Uh, I know that, that some fractional platforms have tried to do that before, but that, that's really cool. So that's another way of kind of you know engaging the community and kind of like 
hey, you know, we bought this part of Koya, you know? Yeah. And I mean, internally, we've, of course, had conversations around tokens because we are in the NFT space. We are in a Web3 space. So it's always a question, right? Do you sell some sort of token to your community? It can be utility token or it can be some sort of membership token. You, you can have members get access to things early or you can, you can, you can give them certain benefits in terms of exclusive access, um, events, have a, uh, have a say in terms of what assets are going to be put on a platform. We're not doing this yet. If we ever do this in the future, we only want to do it if it really makes sense. And if, you know, if we know that the community is really interested in it, but you know, that, that would certainly be a possibility. And I think that's a, that's another way to really strengthen that relationship with your community. Yeah. And, and you know, just talking, you know, just being around startups, right? Like on our end, like me being around, like say Wyatt or Stefan, it's an ever-evolving right discussion around what the founders are doing, what opportunities are out there. And it, it seems like it's always, you know, not changing, but all these different ideas, you know, and, and you have to be really kind of strategic about which direction you're going to be headed in. Yeah, yeah, the way I see it is that you have to be really clear on the bigger goal. So, I mean, in our case, that is opening up access to alternative assets. But then how you're doing that or the specific tactics that you're using, I think you can, you can, and you have to be pretty flexible because we're, we're an early stage startup, maybe a specific strategy that we thought of, maybe it just doesn't work. So you, you don't have a choice. You just kill it and you move on to the next, next thing, as long as it fits within the bigger mission. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's really key. What you just said is focusing on the main thing, right? If you're talking about, you know, opening up these investments, um, that really is kind of like your path forward at, at the end of the day. Iris, what are the future plans? I know we talked a little bit about about that. Koya, you know, you guys are, are growing. You guys are, are engaging with your community. You guys are are educating, right? What else? Like, what are some of your future plans? You know, short term, long term. What are you looking at? Yeah. Um. So just to kind of tie into that point that you mentioned around education, I would say that you know we've we've got we've got some content out there, but we can do a lot more. So when it comes to, for example, providing data, um, insights. There's still a lot more to be done, and we will do a lot more of that. Uh, but other than that, I think there's a couple of key things that are coming up for, for Koya. One of the things that we're we're going to be working on uh, soon is our secondary market. So that's, as I said, you know, even today, because it's NFTs, because it's on-chain, people can trade it anyway on, on, on OpenSea or LuxRare. But we also know that that is not you know, going to be ideal, perhaps, for people that are newer to the the NFT space. So we also want to have a way for people to trade these NFTs and fractions easily within our platform. So that's one thing, obviously pretty big, pretty big project. Um, I would say a couple of other things looking to, you know, source really interesting, unique, ideally perhaps not even some one of a kind assets, because I think that, 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 that's where it becomes extremely interesting because those are, those are assets that even if you are wealthy, are really hard to get access to. So that is something that I'm really excited about. We we're, we're starting to 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 make progress there. I mean, more I'm sure there's more to share share soon, but I think that is some, that is something that I'm really excited about. And one other point, uh, we're also very much looking at at brand uh, brand partnerships. So various ways that we can work with these, for example, you know, luxury brands. Uh, there's, there's, there's there's several paths forward there. Um, that is something that's also going to be. I believe very key in differentiating ourselves, getting more awareness around our platform, as well as building that trust. I'm just thinking, I wanted to build some parallels, right, to the U.S. So, like here, like it's really the U.S. is really big on 
sports memorabilia, right? Like, so game used jerseys, uh, cleats, sneakers, helmets. And then, you know, how um, also like a, the big deal, you mentioned Constitution Dow, like uh, having a copy of, of the Constitution. And then I'm like thinking like, how about if you had a copy of the Magna Carta, I don't know, out there in, in, uh, in, in Europe or something like that, and how wild that would be. Um, but th- my question going back was, uh, how, how big is that, that sports collector's market in Europe? Um, I, I don't see any of those kind of assets on, on, on your platform right now. And I'm wondering, you know, if you have any insight on that. I would say when it comes to like uh, baseball, for example, it's, it's, it's relatively small. Of course, there are also soccer cards. I don't have the stats on hand, but it's, it is something that people are interested in, but it's, it's not really seen as an investment as much yet. But there's, I mean, obviously there's there's millions of, of soccer fans. We've also seen some digital uh, platforms come up. I'm sure you've heard of SoRare doing digital um, digital digital soccer cards, um, having lots of success with that. But then um, there there are a couple of you know analysts that are saying that it's a really good time to get into soccer cards at the moment. We had someone on our podcast recently who pointed out that. Let's say, look at Ronaldo, for example, got more followers on social media than most of the top US, you know, baseball, basketball stars. But his cards are still a lot cheaper compared to if we're looking at, um, if we're looking at comparable sort of athletes in, 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 in the US. Um, so it could be, an, it could be an opportunity, but it just depends on how that market is going to evolve, uh, here in Europe. And I think a lot of investors here, um, in, in soccer, they're kind of, uh, hoping that that, that European market wakes up a little bit, not that there's not collectors there, but that it, it kind of becomes, starts coming to where kind of the United States is. And some people are, are making that bet that, that, you know, Europeans will, and, and people all over the world really will start collecting cards in a similar fashion that, that they do here in the United States. I'm sure, you know, with platforms like ours, and even though we don't have trading cards yet, I mean, we're, we're still early, so there's going to be lots more asset classes uh, coming coming on. I'm sure that, you know, at some point we'll be, we'll be adding trading cards uh, as well. And uh, yeah, with more, with more and more platforms uh, coming up, not only fractional, but also just in general, collector type, collector cards type platforms, I'm sure that that market, you know, will, will grow. Well, you got the biggest one, which is Pokemon. That really is huge. Pokemon is so huge. So, um, and it has a very international appeal, which is, you know, what we like about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it really does. What's the best way to connect with Koya, Iris? How can they connect with you, with the other co-founders? Yeah. So uh, the best way to connect with us is to check out our website. That is joinkoya.com. Dot com. We've got our links to our Instagram, Twitter is there, but it's all the same, all join Koya, uh, and that is where you can connect with us. Awesome. Iris, thank you so much for, for spending uh, you know, part of your time with, with us and you know learning about this new uh, investment community. Best of luck, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what kind of assets you throw out there and how you guys kind of develop. Cool. Thanks so much. Have a great night. All right, bye-bye. If you think about how Rally Road got started fractionalizing classic cars to where it is now, you'll realize the scope of what Koya is building. Europe is definitely a different market with different values, and I'm looking forward to see how Koya builds its platform compared to the trends in the United States. A big thanks to Iris for coming on the podcast all the way from London, and a big thanks to you as always for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, let others know about it or leave a review or a comment. Until the next time, take care.